<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with BiteClear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. BiteClear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Sean Rad is the 30-year-old co-founder of Tinder, a dating app that has been downloaded more than 100 million times and is said to be worth a billion dollars. But four years ago, his startup didn't even exist. Rad was just a single guy in a coffee shop who wasn't having the best dating luck. Then he locked eyes with a cute girl in line. You know, I looked at her and she looked back and I was kind of like, oh shit, she caught me looking at her. And then I started thinking about that and analyzing that and realized that if you can eliminate the question of whether or not someone wants to meet you, then you would sort of significantly take away the barriers um, um, to making a new connection. I'm Allison Chantel, the U.S. Editor-in-Chief of Business Insider, and this is How I Did It, a podcast exploring the careers of successful people who have achieved incredible things. Today with us, Sean Rad. What does Tinder look like these days? How many active users, swipes, things of that nature? We don't give out exact numbers, but um, there are tens of millions of active users in over 196 countries. Uh, and we've done about, we've made about 20 billion matches since we've started. So that's 20 billion friendships, marriages, uh, all kinds of connections that have happened through the app. Um, and, you know, our mission is, is to create new connections and, and bring the world closer together and help people meet others that they would otherwise have never met. Okay, so then we definitely need to get into how you made this magic happen. Um, but first, I want to go back to the pre-Tinder days. Um, have you always been interested in entrepreneurship? Is it surprising to look at where you are thinking about what you wanted to do when you were growing up? I think I was I, I was always interested in um, solving problems um, and building things. Like I just I had a general curiosity, and when things were, um, when I sort of would see a better path for something, I, I I felt this like kind of annoyance in me. <laughs> like I had to I had to do something about it. Um, so you know, but I didn't I didn't start this journey saying like I want to start a business or or I you know I want to be an entrepreneur I just sort of solve problems and one thing led to the next and was your first business the one you started you went to USC right yeah. Yeah. and you started a company when you were a freshman there I, I started a company called uh, Orgu um, while I was a freshman at USC and what that was is uh, I was sort of frustrated that I had to use um, all these different accounts uh, to communicate with my friends and 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 um, and other students that were going to school. So I had my work email because I was working at the time. I had my school email, my high school email, my Gmail, 
um, and and like every different IM account, um, and I kept like jumping from screen to screen. Uh, and this is before you know the the mobile phone was was really what it was today. And I felt that that was very frustrated. And there's you know there's got to be a way to bring it all together. Um, and that's what Orgu was. It was a huge technical challenge, especially for someone who's never done anything technical. I had no background in in computer engineering or anything like that. So, um, um, but I just saw a better way that I could communicate. And so, what happened to that company? Um, Orgu uh, launched in about 2004, I think it was, or 2005. And within the first three months, um, we accumulated uh, over a million signups. Um, and one thing led to another, and we got wrapped up in some um, some IP issues with uh, another company, uh, and um, and unfortunately had to shut down the company after that. And then you joined something called Hatch Labs. What's Hatch Labs? It's part of IAC. So Hatch Hatch Labs, I joined uh, to help uh, start and run Hatch Labs. Um, and what Hatch was uh, Hatch was started to incubate. Um, companies that are starting to uh, take advantage of the different signals and access points you have with mobile. So companies that are sort of reimagining how you can, um, uh, uh, how we can redefine and disrupt disrupt some of the things we take for granted um, and what the new capabilities are that mobile provides us with. Um, and you know, I started. I I I, I, I went to Hatch really knowing that I was going to find one thing that I love because um, I knew that I'm not the kind of person that can, I, I don't, I don't get, I, I don't like to be distracted by a lot of things. I like to like throw myself all into one thing. Um, but I think it was a great opportunity for me to experiment and find that one thing, which uh, ended up being Tinder. So it's basically a startup incubator yes. where you can test ideas, oh. see what works, what oh. sticks. And one thing you were starting was called Cardify, right? It wasn't even yes. Tinder to begin with. Yeah. No. So what happened there? Well, no. So Tinder, the idea for Tinder uh, came about before Cardify. Um, and so we had, you know, I, I had two ideas coming into Hatch. One was Tinder, one was Cardify. We ended up uh, uh, shelving Tinder um, to pursue Cardify. And in, I think, two months, we developed Cardify uh, or three months we were building Cardify, and then we submitted it to the App Store. And what was Cardify? Oh, Cardify was um, a sort of a local rewards program. Whenever you swiped your credit card at any business, um, we would give you points in the app. And you didn't even need to, you know, take out your phone. We just connected your credit card to the cloud, um, and we were able to listen when you're processing transactions and give you points. Um, and that, when we submitted that to the App Store, um, uh, there was, I think Apple was a little hesitant because we were asking users to input their credit cards into the app. And this was a foreign concept. This was like right around the time Square was um, starting, starting um, submitted their app. 2009-ish. Yeah. And um, no, 2000, I think it was 11 or 12. Okay. Uh, and um, yeah, 2012, 2013. And it took us about like 90 days to get approved. So within that 90 days, I didn't want us to continue iterating without any customer feedback. Um, it would have been a little pointless. Like the point of startups is to go out there and find product market fit and test your hypothesis. So we sort of took that extra time that we had um, and uh, and built Tinder. 
it was called Matchbox then, and um, it wasn't the whole team. It was like a few of us that were just we went rogue and um, built Tinder, and um, and then sort of Tinder was sitting there, and then Justin started marketing it, and we sort of like we 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 all believed in Tinder, but then we had unfinished business with Cardify, um, and we started marketing Tinder, and right away, I mean, I'm talking like within days. We knew we had something, just like looking at the engagement, and we very quickly just shuttered everything we were doing at Cardify, um, which was a hard decision, but uh, paid off in the end. So tell me a little bit about, um, I want to touch on that moment where you just knew that you had a hit on your hands, but quickly before, the actual like Genesis story of Tinder, what was that moment, like, to, was it really like a light bulb went off, like, ah, oh, this is brilliant, I want to swipe? Um, so... The idea came about because, well, first of all, I think I, I'm still shy, but I was, I was incredibly more shy back, you know, four or five years ago. Um, and I think I was going through um, some personal growth where uh, I was really trying to understand why I had trouble and, 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 and digest why I had trouble walking up to someone and just introducing myself like it was like if I was it was such an it created so much anxiety and I was so um so you were single and you were having trouble walking up to girls in bars yes okay or not in bars just like you know girls I liked and one time I was sitting in a coffee shop um with with my friends and there was this girl across the room um and you know I looked at her and she looked back, and I was kind of like, "Oh shit!" She caught me looking at her. <laughs> at first, I, I was I was nervous, um, but then I realized something, which is, "Wait a second. So like now she looked at me, she smiled, and she sort of let me know that that she's interested in talking, and I no longer felt anxious anymore. Um, and then I started thinking about that and analyzing that, and realized that if you can eliminate the question of whether or not someone wants to meet you, then you would sort of significantly take away the barriers um, um, to making a new connection. Uh, and that's where the idea for Tinder came from. Does that girl know that she inspired Tinder? No, <laughs> I doubt it. Very cool. So real life moment uh, that happened in a coffee shop. Yeah. Love it. Um, so great. So then you launched Tinder kind of in the spare time while Cardify is getting approved by the App Store. You realize it's an instant hit. Yeah. How did you realize that? What happened? Um, so we had the app. Uh, Justin was um, was was sort of figuring out how to promote this thing, and then and then one day he like took everyone's phone and literally spammed our address books, including his own. And I was like, okay, this probably isn't going to work, but let's try it. Um, and I think we probably texted literally five hundred people. Um, and then immediately, um, about 80% of the people that we texted signed up. But then the next day, like we grew 50%, which is like, I was like, wow, that's shocking. And when we were looking at the metrics and, um, you know, we were experienced enough to know that we should, you know, at least have some degree of metrics early on. When we were looking at the numbers just in the first few days, um, it was, the engagement was just shocking. I mean, we had to like check like like fact check what we were seeing so many times so we knew um that there was something but then it really set in when our friends were telling us stories about how um you know I remember one of my friends was telling me how he never knew that 
that this girl who he's he sort of would see all the time and they would be friends with it was interested in him and and then they started dating and you, we were like within a matter of weeks we were hearing all these stories and it kind of just shook up our entire friend group um, and then started growing in Los Angeles um, so your friends were matching with each other yes. in ways they like probably never yeah. would have people people who knew of each other but never really exposed any interest were now getting connected and so like you were unearthing these connections that would have never existed so like we immediately knew that this could have a huge impact on society um and then we started i mean that's when i like i was like okay everyone scrap cardify forget about cardify um which people wanted to um it was a controversial decision because everyone loves cardify too and wanted to people everyone wants to do both but i knew that we had to focus and 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 sort of put all our eggs uh, in the Tinder basket if we wanted to win. And was there some sort of, like, did you do a college launch party or was there any any other bells and whistles to get that initial kick? Yeah. Um, uh, it, it wasn't, so it, it, was, it was a f- funny story. Um, Justin's younger brother uh, was throwing a, uh, a birthday party um, for his best friend at USC. And he had a bus uh, going from USC to his parents' home. It was like about like, like I mean, the bus was going back and forth, and it was a total of 500 students. So, um, you know, Justin Justin called me one day, and he's like, he's like, let's let's pay for the bus, and call this a Tinder party. And I'm like, it's some poor girl's birthday. Like, <laughs> what do what do you mean we're gonna call it our party? And so he called the birthday girl and asked, like, can we make this a Tinder party, and we'll spend money, and we'll make it bigger, and we'll make it better, and and we'll do all this, and um, and she was really excited about the idea. So we called it a tender party, and we paid for the bus. But then we put a bouncer at the door and told every student that they couldn't walk in unless they downloaded Tinder. So you would literally have to show Tinder on your phone. So about like 400 people downloaded Tinder at USC, and uh, I'm sure no one really knew what they downloaded when they walked in. But then they went home and opened the app and started matching with each other. Um, and started seeing each other, and I think it really, um, it really, it really created a phenomenon within USC. So it seems like it did really kind of start to catch on, maybe within your group of friends, but also on college campuses. Did USC quickly become kind of the first to adopt Tinder? Was that did you do intentionally do the college by college thing? Um, yeah. Well, we realized after that event, we realized that. Um, it was an effective means for getting the word out. Um, we also realized another thing, which is our harshest critics are going to be college students. And if we can win our harshest critics, then we can win everyone else. Um, so, uh, you know, immediately after that, I remember, um, you know, we were, we, we would, like every afternoon, we would leave the office, the whole team, get in a car and like we were driving by every fraternity sorority in Los Angeles and like then San Diego, then Orange County and like basically every school we could cover. Um, And then once we realized this was an effective, you know, very effective strategy, every time we would go to sororities and fraternities and talk about uh, Tinder, we would just like that night see a hundred signups. And it was almost like every single signup in the beginning mattered. I remember, I mean, um, we were like stopping people on the street and I mean like we would go into coffee shops and and just like um like 
talking to each other. I know we'd be like, oh, have you heard of that that app Tinder? It's like such a cool app. And like it does this, like anything we could do to get the word out we were doing. Like you would have conversations amongst other staffers pretending like yeah. you were just in a coffee shop hanging out. Yeah, we were like, we were just, and like I would like take out the app and, and, and be like, oh, this is interesting. Like who told you about this great app <laughs> called Tinder? And like just yell in the coffee shop. So like people kept hearing the name Tinder within, within LA. Um, and then what happened, and this this was this was nuts. So we sort of cornered uh, the West Coast, which is where we lived. Um, and then around January of 2013, everyone went home for call for 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 break, and I guess told their friends. So in, in the beginning of January, we had about 20,000 um, users, and at the end of January, we had 500,000 users, all organic. Wow. So, I mean, it was, it, it, I mean, the growth curve was just unimaginable. Uh, so it was, it was pretty amazing. You had other startups besides Tinder. So what's it like as an entrepreneur when you finally realize you've created something really special, really viral, and really rare? I think when you're, when, when something is growing as fast as Tinder did, you sort of don't even think about it. Like you're you're up until five in the morning working, and um, you know in the engineering, and you know when it was the engineers, they were I mean coding. I remember days where we didn't sleep um, because Tinder was crashing, and we literally had to um, you know refactor the code, this prototype code that we developed to get a proof of concept. We were we were refactoring it while maintaining it because it was getting hit by users. Um, and, you know, John and I were designing and Justin and, um, you know, Whitney and the whole team were thinking about basically new ways to get the word out. I mean, it was a small team of 15, 10 to 15 people that literally did not sleep for the first year. So, I mean, you just don't really think about it because you're getting all this feedback from your users and you just sort of just focus on, on, on executing and delivering for them. How did you come up with the swipe? Because that was really, it was like hot or not for your phone and an acceptable way to do it because it meant you might get a date. Um, so how did you, who came up with that? How did that, that, that really is the thing that I think really resonated. Yeah. So John, um, the first design, like if you go back to the, the, the first design I made of Tinder, and I don't even remember why, but it was like a, like a stack of cards, like flashcards. Um, and, and it had like an X and a heart and like, that was like, you just hit X and heart. Um, and it had common connections. A lot of the core attributes of the product still sort of exist. Uh, but, but John, um, came to me one day and he was like, you know, um, like people like to swipe on photos and I think you should be able to swipe on this thing and put it into like categories like I guess he had this image in his head where you're kind of moving objects and putting like what do you do with flashcards you sort of put them in flashcard boxes and like you put them in cards in stacks and he was envisioning I'm dragging something in a skeuomorphic sense and moving it over um and he's like I'm gonna create this thing called swipe and I was like look that sounds cool but like I don't think we have time for that like we have a whole backlog of issues we gotta solve let's do that um, when we get time. And then um, in typical John fashion, like he was up one John. night. John Bedeen, John Bedeen, our, my, my co-founder. Um, in typical John fashion, I mean, like I remember he he initially told me it would take two weeks 
And that's when I was like, this is not a priority for us right now. Um, and did it on like a Saturday night and and showed it to me Sunday morning. And I was like, whoa, like, um, but but it wasn't done. And like most of us didn't even know this, the swipe was in the app. Like um, I remember John was telling me about it and he showed me some prototypes for it. Um, but I discovered it myself while I was using the app. I was like, wait, I didn't realize I could do this. And then John's like, yeah, I did it. And I'm like, when? I thought you said it took two weeks and he just, he, he did it one weekend. Wow. So one weekend and you have this hit feature yeah. uh, that got adopted by many, many other apps yep. afterwards. Crazy. And huge engagement, I'm sure, as a result. Yes. So you have this rocket ship growth uh, that most founders can only dream of having. Um, but one thing that I love about your story is that you really you have this rocket ship and then as a CEO, you have to grow up with the company because you're really young at this point. I think we're the same age. I think 30. Yeah. Okay. We're the same age. Um, I can't imagine what it would be like to be thrust into the public spotlight like you were and lots of learnings from that. So as a CEO, um, how do you deal with that? How do you learn to grow up in the public eye? Because there were times where you did stuff. Yeah. Um, look, I think, I think, uh, Tinder has definitely grown um, as a company, and I've grown a lot in the process. Um, I think the key to growing, I mean, whether it's within a company or as a human being, is sort of to, like, just be humble enough to learn from your mistakes. Like, admit them, recognize them, use them as opportunities to grow, um, and, you know, sort of have the courage to just say, okay, I learned from that, and I'm taking away some pretty valuable lessons, and I'm going to be better tomorrow as a result. Um, and, you know, I think still to this day, I mean, whenever, you know, I think one thing we encourage throughout the entire company is sort of this beginner's mindset is not, you know, it doesn't matter how much you've experienced, not sort of have the attitude that you sort of know everything and you know what you're doing because then you might miss some very important things. Um, that's why a lot of times younger, less jaded um, um entrepreneurs end up disrupting industries they know nothing about because they don't have any preconceived notions of how to do something and they're sort of able to reimagine it. And in the same sense, you know, having the humility and um, that beginner's mindset allows you to find creative um, ways to solve problems um, and you learn through that process and you develop your own culture and ethos as a company. Um, and each one of these learning points, both for me and for the company, were moments where our culture developed. Um, you know, you look, culture is really just uh, the consequence of things you've learned and the way people act. And, um, and a lot of that starts at the top. So I think um, it's, been, it's been amazing to be able to, to have the lessons that I've had and experiences that I've, that I've been able to have. Um, so, you know, one thing that I think a lot of lessons were probably learned from is, first off, every startup I can poss possibly think of that has co-founders for the most part has had some sort of issue right. or drama around it, um, which is no different for Tinder. Um, and then as the result of, I mean, so let's talk about that a little bit. There were some co-founder issues. You and Justin were friends. And then all of a sudden there was... I think there's there's look every company has um, um, issues at some point because you know when you're starting a company um, or you're doing anything that then 
grows to a, a, a larger team. It goes from a few people around a table to something much bigger. Um, what becomes very important is holding each other accountable and holding everyone accountable. And it's hard to hold your friends accountable. Um, so I think when you're building a company together, you become extremely close. Like th these are the people you're, you see in the morning, in the afternoon, at night, in the middle of the night. Um, and you're experiencing some, even, you know, especially with a company like Tinder that's growing as fast as it did, you're experiencing some very harsh um, uh, working hours. Some, and you're also experiencing like the happiest moments of your life together. And that bonds you. Um, in a way that very few things can. And that inherently is going to blur the lines between friend, colleague, employee, um, and it becomes harder. So every startup goes through this. Um, and I think it's just part of the process of growing up as a company. And um, yeah, and then, you know, we've, we've had our stories just like, you know, Twitter and Facebook and Snapchat, and, um, um, but, it, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. As long as you learn and grow from it, that's what matters. I think um, the one thing, the elephant in the room to address, and for anyone who might be listening to this, it's publicly available, but obviously, you know, Justin, your co-founder, is no longer with Tinder, um, had a relationship with another employee. Uh, there was a lawsuit. Lots of texts that were sent became public. As a result of some of the texts, um, you ended up losing your job as CEO for a little bit of Tinder. Not not as a result of, I mean, the, it was one year later, mm -hmm. so the, the two things didn't really um, um, have a high degree of correlation. Um, yeah, there were there were some hard times uh, as we were growing up as a company yeah. um, and some 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 relationships that were not productive. And um, uh, and, you know, but, you know, we've moved past that and we've 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 learned a lot as a result as a company. And I've learned a lot. Sure. I, I think just the point is that, and I'm not trying to harp on it, it's just that everyone talks about the happy startup stories, yeah. and you don't really realize when you're going to go found the next Tinder. Like, yeah. I might have brutal stuff that happens with my co-founder, and I like might have to deal with a lawsuit someday, and there's all these things. Or like, I might say the wrong thing to the press. It's not as glamorous as people think. Like, the, 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 I always, you know, my, my first bit of advice, um, whenever everyone, you know, asks... If, if people come to me and ask um, um, either if they're they're pitching me to raise money or they're asking for my you know my advice on an idea like the first thing I always ask is like why are you doing this why is this um, important to you because if it's because you're chasing some glamorous uh, 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 life that you saw in the movie The Social Network um, the reality is much harsher um, and the reality is that that you that when you're building a startup, it is hard, especially a startup that is growing at the rate of Tinder, and um, you have to be all in, and you have to be committed, and this this solving this problem has to be personal, or else you're going to crumble. And then like be like, why did I do this? <laughs> I should have just gotten a job. And um, so you really have to do it for more than sort of the cliche reasons, which is the freedom and yes. I want to work for myself or I want to make money. I mean, like, really, um, um, believe me, I mean, some th there are moments when, when you sort of want to crumble in a ball in the corner, but um, 
but but the only you find the perseverance through the passion that you have for what you're doing and the love you have for your users and what you're doing so like you have to do it for the right reasons or else even if you have the best idea in the world tinder was a great idea if we weren't passionate as a team and we weren't dedicated we would have failed what's that like as a ceo to go through that and then stick around to your credit you know i i i think some of the greatest lessons i've had um came out of being fired like so i i I learned a lot through the process i think how did that happen did barry pull you in a conference room or call you and yell or it was it was so so um um i I, I mean, fired is an exaggeration. I was asked to move over to be president and continue to sort of run parts of the company. But I think the, the thing was that we, we uh, were growing so fast that naturally, I think there was a lot of doubt whether, you know, I was 28, whether 27 at the time, 28, whether 28-year-old who hasn't really experienced something at this scale would have the experience and the business intelligence to sort of carry it on. And, um, make the right judgment calls um and look to be honest like even i had doubts like i was terrified i mean tinder's growing faster than anything and it's stressful um so we made the decision together a lot of people think it was like this adversarial thing it was it was a decision made together uh to bring in someone new who has a little more experience to help us scale the company um, and as, as part of that, I, I, I took a different role. I mean, I would have done things differently, and I didn't really agree on the board with how we did it. Um, and I think I learned two life-changing things from that process. The first thing um, is that, like, you don't really have to have all the answers to be a great leader. Like, being a great leader, like, you think when, you, when you're growing up that, you know, being at the top means that you have all the answers and you know what you're doing and... And I felt a lot of pressure because people would come up to me um, asking me to make all kinds of decisions. And it's kind of lonely at the top because no one's guiding you. So you feel a lot of pressure. Um, and and that that is a hard experience. But what I learned through getting no longer being in that position and not having the pressure of making every decision was that being a leader doesn't mean that you have all the answers. It means that you're able to ask the right questions, you're getting the right people together um, who each are imperfect in their own ways. No one's perfect, Um, but you sort of have a common mission and a common sense of where you're going and together you get there. Like you complete each other, but this idea of this perfect being who's the CEO doesn't exist. It's far from the reality. Um, The second thing I learned uh, through the process is I sort of like, reminded myself why I'm doing this. I started Tinder because I was passionate about building this product. And when I was no longer CEO and I didn't have the title and I didn't have, um, um, I wasn't the person running the ship, um, what I realized was what mattered wasn't the title, wasn't the money, wasn't any of that. It was like the love and joy of being able to wake up and work on something you love. So I still got to do that. And then, and, and I think again, that, was a reset in my own head. Like it was just a great reminder. Um, and sometimes, you know, when you go through hard times, it's a great reminder to remind you why you're doing this and what's important and what's valuable. So again, you know, people are, you know, you know, you, you sometimes fail and you experience hardship, but if you look at it as an opportunity to grow and you're listening, there's lessons and it makes people who they are. So um, I think that is the one thing 
about perseverance in, 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 in any startup or going through any experiences, you know, don't back down from the adversity, like learn from it. Today, things sound good. You said 100 million yeah, downloads and yeah. all that fun. Awesome. Um, so just uh, and kind of to wrap it all up, actually, I do have one question about uh, being part of Hatch Labs. Mm-hmm. Do you, how much do you think being part of an incubator, but within a larger company with tons of resources, contributed to Tinder's success? And what do you think the outcome would have been like if you had just done the traditional, I'm going to raise some money from a VC and yeah, been alone? Great question. Um, so, you know, Tinder, even though we were part of an incubator, um, like the incubator was Tinder because like I was running the whole West Coast for the incubator and everyone in the West Coast was working on Tinder. So, and you know, I I hired almost everyone that was um, in the West Coast Hatch Labs office at the time. Um, So it wasn't different in that sense. What was different, um, which is I think critical to actually succeeding is that there was an environment where it was okay to fail. You know, because if we failed on one idea, we would just shift over to the next one and the next one and the next one and the next one. And we can really pursue without a lot of stress, pursue our passions and the things that were um, interesting us. And I think it actually doesn't matter what scale of a business you are. When you're trying to innovate, um, the process is the same. Have a hypothesis, test the hypothesis, learn from the success or failure, apply it to the next step learn, apply it to the next step, learn, apply it to the next step. Um, That's true if you're building a startup. That's true if you're the size of Tinder and you're building the next great feature. Um, So it all comes with, it starts with creating an environment where it's okay to take risks and fail. And as long as you're learning from that failure. Last question. Everybody wants to be you. Everybody wants to figure out how to start the next big thing. What advice do you have for aspiring founders who want to start the next Tinder? I think um, the the most important thing is that you're per, you're doing it for the right reasons. And what that means is that you have a desire to solve a problem that you empathize with in some way, shape, or form. Um, it could be a problem you have. It could be a problem you, you sort of, your friends are having or your colleagues are having and an inefficiency that you're experiencing in the world. Like, but start from a place of, of actually empathizing and being determined to solve something versus, you know, some dream of just working for yourself or making a lot of money or anything like that because um, companies are hard um, and require a lot of perseverance and determination and you just, you won't survive through the highs and lows unless you're doing it for the right reasons. Um, I would say that. The second thing I would say, because there's something that I think uh, a disillusionment about startups, which is I think people, uh, a lot of the time young entrepreneurs that I meet mistake a a startup as a license to kind of not have a direction or clear goal or clear mission. Um, And I always tell them like, you know, day one at Tinder, like we had a clear mission. Now that mission evolved and our goals evolved and we iterated and we learned and we sort of, um, you know, that changed. But at any given moment, we had a plan. And I think great entrepreneurs are always prepared. They have a plan. Um, and, and, and they have a great team um, that understands that plan and understands what the goal is at every phase of the business. So I think um, having that clarity is important. 
um, both the clarity of why you're doing what you're doing um, and what you're doing. Um, and it sounds obvious, but believe me, the number of times that very, very intelligent, brilliant young entrepreneurs like can't answer those questions clearly for me um, is is makes me feel that it's you know it's I think people need to hear that a little more. Great. Well, thank you so much, Sean. Thank you. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.